How are you going? Yeah, good. I haven't spoken face to face with anyone in the studio for quite some time, so yes. it's great to be there. Well, I did do a bit of media watching earlier the, in the evening. I was watching the six o'clock news. Some pretty concerning pictures coming in from the west coast there. Some people Soggy looking stuff. Yeah, yeah, it didn't look nice, and a lot of concern based on their recent experience about what's coming next. So, yeah, and anyone still trying to have a holiday down there? A bit rough too. Uh, last days before some you, of the schools start up. You wanted to kick off uh, discussions with Charlotte Ballas. Yes, indeed. This is a big story. And I've been asked, you know, why is it so big? It's only one individual case. Uh, but it seems that story got bigger than even Charlotte Bellos herself uh, thought it might have. On News Talk ZB this morning, she gave an interview where uh, she said, I wrote the, the op-ed. This was in the Weekend Herald, where she put her story out last Saturday, um, thinking maybe some people might want some interviews then. She says people hooked into the Taliban side of things and it spiralled out of control. So... That was a reference to uh, when she set out her story uh, about her battle with MIQ in the Weekend Herald. She said, when the Taliban offers you, a pregnant, unmarried woman, safe haven, you know your situation's messed up. Now, that's quite a quote, and mm. no surprise, I think, that people did hook into the story, as she said. She'd been a bit naive about that. I mean, of course people were going to respond. I mean, she is also a journalist, so she's 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 a craftsperson in terms of, of um, framing sentences in a way that the catch our ears. Yeah, sure. And she must have known she had quite a profile as well from that reporting she did of when the Taliban uh, took over in Kabul. You know, those last choppers flying in out of that. That's what she's best known for now. So, yeah, sure. I, I don't think she could have been all that surprised that when she put her story out there. And it was pitched as a kind of open letter uh, by the Weekend Herald. But it, it wasn't really that. It was kind of a pretty straight advocacy a personal piece where she set out her own extraordinary story of being you know unexpectedly expecting in um, Taliban controlled Afghanistan so yeah no surprise I think really that it quite went that big but uh, one thing that came to my mind I was in a car and listening to the hits on Monday music station and um, they were following it almost like a live story when what? Chris Hipkins the minister came out and gave a bit of rebuttal Jono and Ben it was no well, that was Jono she spoke to them in the morning so they obviously decided to follow Hard it news of Jono and Ben yeah well they, they did they did it in the morning but then they were following uh, Chris Hipkins rebuttal where she was saying she might have not interacted with the consular uh, advice or that was offered to her and this is now a separate story about whether he breached her privacy um, and they were following this the host playing little clips of Jason Walls ZB's political reporter and then ending it with you know go Charlotte we're all with you so yeah when the music stations are following this is almost breaking news yeah you know it's kind of crossed over it's a big story I guess maybe one of the points that she makes it is okay I'm I'm I have a profile I use that profile to change to get myself back into the country but what about those other pregnant women Yes. And, and that's that's a fair point to make. It, it is. And in fact, stuff Nicky MacDonald, uh, who writes at Dominion Post in Wellington, mostly, she, she said, I wrote probably 10 stories about pregnancy. She said this on social media and MIQ last year. And no one really cared. Humans are weird, she said. So why just this case? So is it just because Charlotte has a profile as a bit of an international television news person? And that certainly is part of the difference with those other cases Nicky's talking about. But look, a few things going on here. It's an extraordinary personal story, the Afghanistan element, which we just talked about. Whatever way you cut it, it's a, it's a compelling and you can understand why uh, the news editors would go with it. She also zeroed in on that wider controversy about MIQ, um, where sports people, DJs and so on, can get in and perhaps 
people who are pregnant can't necessarily. So she's actually widened it out into beyond her own personal situation. And actually, with that in mind, when she did talk to Joan and Ben on the hits, uh, she said she hoped that her case would move the dial on you know a more logical and empathetic, her words, MIQ system. And uh, then she had this to say uh, to the pair. Um, my partner was just saying, I wonder if there's a, for the drum and bass players, if they have like 1A, where it's 1A1 versus like the the guitarist has 1A3 and if they got them back to front, they don't get in. Yeah, maybe. Um, well, why don't we yeah, start up our own festival, John and Ben's festival, and you're the headliner, <laughs> and we need to get you into the country. Oh, uh-huh. mate. There you go, John and Ben. And Charlotte Ballas. Yeah, well, they're making the point that she might have had a better chance getting in as a drum and bass uh, artist or DJ or something than than just a pregnant individual. But the other thing is that this all dovetailed with party politics, right? Because opposition parties have been campaigning against MIQ and for open borders. Um, So there's a big debate going on about whether actually the uh, closed borders have helped halt Omicron at the border, slow it down, so giving us just enough time to deal with it and get kids back in school in masks and so on. Others are making political capital out of it. David Seymour, for example, saying, you know, look, the Taliban's been more helpful for the New Zealand government. He's pushing a line of open borders. Um, so this is a party political issue as well. So it's kind of a third element that means this goes way beyond the personal case of one uh, New Zealander. And then the fourth thing, um, this is all taking place against the backdrop of... Uh, awful situation in Afghanistan itself for just about everybody since the Taliban took over. A lot of poverty, a lot of suffering. And uh, in this context, a really interesting intervention, uh, this is TVNZ, uh, published a piece online and then interviewed uh, Muzgan Samakandi. She's a former Afghan broadcaster who now lives here in New Zealand. And she wrote her own interesting kind of open letter in response to Charlotte as an Afghan woman. Uh, and she told TVNZ News that um, she thought Charlotte Bellis might be trivialising the situation of women and girls there. Maybe we are not, we are there thinking, uh, we, are, we are lying after what Charlotte posts on social media, that she is safe in Afghanistan and that Taliban is offering her a safe place there. But that is not the truth. The truth is we need help. We are desperately need help. Yeah, and I, I think one of the things, that, the points she also made, because we replayed a bit of her interview on the panel with Wallace Chapman earlier in the, in the day during Trending Now, was that, of course, the Taliban might help Charlotte Ballas out because it's good propaganda, and propaganda is a big part of a war. Well, she had to face these questions at the time she was still in Kabul reporting on the Taliban takeover. She was the one in that press conference who stood up and said, what about women and girls? Are you going to uh, you know, oppress them like you did the last time you were in charge? Paraphrasing. But she did challenge them on that. And she was aware. She talked about it. You know, am I being spun here? Are the, the new slick media friendly, media capable Taliban 20 years on um, spinning me a line here? So that was, I mean, we talked about it on Media Watch with Peter Grester, you know, a former BBC Afghan correspondent who knows what happens when you rub an authoritarian uh, regime up the wrong way. He was imprisoned in Egypt. And so this this was a debate that she knows all about. So uh, she probably wouldn't object to something like that being raised because she will know she has definitely leveraged in that context of Afghanistan. And you do you open yourself up to a bit of personal backlash, and there has been, hasn't there? Well, there's been heaps, and a lot of that has not been fair, whatever way you cut it. Uh, and maybe that's a kind of almost a fifth angle to the story that means it's got more coverage than might have in other circumstances. It's like the Pentagon. Everyone seems to be really, really cranky right now. Um, one one particularly awful one, I thought, um, 
Tohenere, former MP, media pundit these days, just tweeted out uh, after Charlotte got her MIQ spot confirmed, white power wins the day. Which, you know, because there was a debate about is it because she's a white privileged journalist, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that's pretty revolting, actually. I think if you're going to make claims like that, you better explain it, not just throw out a slogan or a kind of slur like that. Um, you know, that's that's not great. But possibly, actually, the most tasteless bit of commentary on this um, there's a bit of talk back I heard on, on ZB. This is the Wellington Morning Show on Tuesday. This is a guy called Peter uh, who phoned in to sound off about MIQ with reference to Charlotte's situation. I can say that I'm really annoyed because I have family in foreign countries who I'd like to see and I'd like them to come and see me. I actually have parents who are older than 80. Uh, they live in Europe and they've been touring around. They've been to Switzerland, they've been to Italy, they've been here and there. They're not locked up in this Jacinda's concentration camp that we've got here. Yeah, it's hard to argue with your points, Peter. It's very hard to argue with it. Oh, what, that we live in a concentration camp? <laughs> yeah, I don't, that's ZB's host, Nick Mills, <laughs> the Wellington host. Now, that is not the right, right way to handle that. I mean, that's just a crass and tasteless reference to concentration. But I sort of thought about this a little more deeply. Um you know, if Peter, this caller, if his parents really were in their 80s and from Western Europe traveling around in the vicinity of Switzerland, they would have been children during the Second World War. Um, and anyone of that vintage would really know what concentration camp means in the place they hold in history. And I don't think they would approve of their son in far-flung New Zealand using the term like that. But, I mean, that's that's just a sample of some of the sort of emotions this sort of story has Aroused, And some of it, I feel bad about the way personally a lot of it's come back on Charlotte and gone beyond just her situation. Um, But look, in a way, maybe it would have been better. The Herald published this, kind of let her publish her own personal story. Possibly it would have been less on her shoulders if they'd reported it. She told her story to them. They'd reported it. They'd analysed her claims, Mm. put the questions. But because it was very much throwing their pages open to her for what's actually a broader campaign than just her situation, that's possibly why, um, you know, a lot of it has has come back on her. But bottom line, you know, the situation she's in, someone in that MOQ system who considers these exceptional cases ought to have thought a space could be found for someone in that position. I think that's the bottom line of it all. And we never get to speak to those people or how they weigh things up because they're kept from us. No, and others make the point that every, every you know, 200,000 odd people have come through MIQ. They're talking about adding the populations of small towns uh, in New Zealand. So the system has broadly worked for a lot of people. That's part of the context. But all that's come out in the reporting. But another, um, maybe one last little thing on this. Um, she worked for Al Jazeera. He worked for the New York Times. You'd think do they have not have a role to play? Could they not support their employees? And then part of this was her saying, look, I actually had to quit Al Jazeera because you can't be pregnant and unmarried. It's actually illegal in Qatar. Mm. Where well, that could have explained why Al Jazeera wasn't helping her out. Well, yeah, I don't know. I just don't know the ins and outs. But I thought, could this be right? And checked out a few forums. And people seem to say, look, if you're a, a European expat or something living in Doha, no, the authorities aren't going to bother you. They, they won't investigate your lifestyle. But there are cases of people who formed relationships. Um, you know, people, for example, women from the Philippines who formed relationships, had children, had to keep it secret. Um, 
And, you know, if, if this law comes into play, it's always the women that get charged. So it is a real thing. And uh, that took me by surprise because I thought a country that might host the next Football World Cup and wants fans to come from all around the world and different places and cultures. Yeah, that would be, that'd be very odd. So female, pregnant, unmarried football fans perhaps don't go to the next World Cup next December. Hey, staying with COVID. Um, uh, I was reading a few reports on columns written by New Zealanders living in Britain at the moment. I think one of them was a former rugby player about how bad things are here. Um, You've also been uh, noticing some of the commentary on what's going on in New Zealand by some... Well, Philip Schofield, yeah. he used to host Shazam, and he's quite a big thing over in British television now. Yeah, he does what probably the equivalent of like the AM show. It's their commercial network, ITV, morning show. So pretty substantial audience, you know, more than a million Britons would watch it in, in the morning. So yeah, a whole slew of these. So uh, David Cohen, Wellington-based journalist, written one for The Spectator, talking about Fortress New Zealand and St. Jacinda's halo slipping and all of that and our mad restrictions compared with neighbouring Australia. Dan Wotton, Kiwi journalist, wrote for the Daily Mail about fellow Kiwis cowed by fear and again hammering this government for um, its un- what he regards as unnecessary restrictions. Uh, Hermit Kingdom, he's using that line as well. And then yeah. David I wonder Seymour, if John Key thought that up or he got it from somebody else. Oh, well, it's, it certainly stuck, hasn't it? It certainly has. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, been, it's been recycled an awful lot. And then David Seymour, act leader, wrote a piece again for the, the Daily Mail Lockdown loving lefties have turned my glorious New Zealand into a hermit kingdom. Uh, the streets are deserted, etc. And this was what triggered Philip Schofield on that ITV morning show. Uh, and he was pretty much reading aloud from it. The streets are empty. The New Zealand tourist trade is finished. The country is essentially closed. Um, uh, a million New Zealanders outside the country have to take part in a, a lottery with a 12% success rate to get into the country, and people are terrified to leave in case they can't get back in mm. as well. And you look suddenly, two very, very different stories when she was a hero. And nine people have got it. Nine people have got it. Nine people. Omicron. Yeah, that's right. Oh. Uh, but which, this has come up well, before. Like, so, so MIQ doesn't work. Oh, well, maybe not, it does. They're not going. All of this is for domestic consumption. They're not really for, in the UK. They're not really interested in the New Zealand position at all. So this is just a lot of noise and opinions. But what none of these commentators seem to mention is that actually the UK itself had fairly similar controls until relatively recently, except for the closed borders. You know, there were stay-at-home orders being issued by the government there, gatherings, restrictions, and so on. Um, Australia, too. Um, and the other thing to note Maybe about Maybe Jacinda was throwing parties that we haven't heard about yet. I'm glad you mentioned that, Brian, because... The Mail and The Spectator, these two outlets, they are heavily political, deeply invested in supporting the Conservatives. Is there any media outlet that isn't heavily political in Britain? No, well, a lot of them are, but these specifically are parts of the Conservative support base, really. And The Spectator was actually edited by Boris Johnson for six years up until (laughs) 2005. So these outlets will pick up on anything, latch onto anything that kind of hammers the New Zealand contrasting approach. But it's all to do with political debate and um, in uh, in the UK. Do you want to briefly talk about political popularity polls before we go into sneezing? I'll do it really briefly because I mention this just about every time there's a poll in it because I can't I can't help myself. The first political poll of the year, this is TVNZ um, doing their one. Uh, so, you know, Nats up, Labour down, Act down a bit, not much surprise. Then they get on to the approval ratings. So this is subtracting people who approve of the way Ardern and Luxon are handling their jobs. Those who disapprove, 
subtract them, and then the Herald come up with a headline saying Luxon had overtaken Ardern. Critics piled in saying, look, it's absurd. This completely can't compare the two things. She's running a country. He's running a party. A lot of the respondents are saying they don't really know who Luxon is yet. There's no track record and no trend to reveal. But in the end, bottom line, political reporters are way too obsessed, I think, with the popularity of just these political leaders. They focus far, far too much on it. Maybe that's because we punters do. It is a significant part of modern politics, particularly the current leaders we've got. You know, one who's personally very popular and has a brand, Ardern, Christopher Luxon, trying to make his name in it. But He's the, trying to make his own brand. But the real trend in all this, if it's the trend that really counts, and that's what they keep telling us, fully one third of people in this TVNZ poll, when asked for their preferred prime minister, said don't know or wouldn't give one, just refused to answer the question. And that is up 50% on a year ago. So that is the real trend that people are telling the pollsters, don't ask me that. Okay, in two minutes, uh, Colin, sneezing, an issue (laughs) on the radio, explain. I was listening to Jesse Mulligan uh, yesterday interviewing a high-achieving youngster, youngest person ever to give a TED Talk, seven-year-old from Australia. I heard the promo, yes, but I didn't hear the interview. Yeah, so I'm thinking, look, if she's done a TED Talk, she'll be fine, because when you you have to talk to young kids, it can be a bit nerve-wracking, they can go... Um, you know, all quiet and clam up. And at one point it appeared that this is what happened. Do you remember some of the things you said in the speech, what the sort of theme of the talk was? Well, um, it's that... Um, the talk was really... Some of the main parts of the talk that was really important about the message... About, I thought I had a sneeze then, but it went away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they must have been so relieved because I'm feeling for Jesse and Jesse's producer right now, thinking, "Oh my God, this person can't talk." After oh, yeah, all. I was, I was cringing for, but yeah, it was just she was she was trying to have a sneeze, and they got me thinking. Like, I never, I've never seen anyone sneeze on live television. If it was on the radio, no problem. You just hit the mute button, the cough key. That's right. Um, I could but demonstrate in, now. Envision you could. But they wouldn't hear it. <laughs> yeah, I could tickle you or something. But uh, no, stay away from me. I've never seen it happen on 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 live television. But then Google it, and you will find a fair few funny you know, live news broadcasters unable to hold sneezing. It back. I yeah. hope that's on the Media Watch page. Uh, I'll put it up there. Yeah, for you. you do. It's been great talking with you. No and we didn't sneeze or cough during this interview. No, no, no. Hopefully you didn't share viruses with each other either. Studio's at a nice temperature and we're at a good distance. It's yeah. all good. Yeah, two metres plus. Thanks, Colin. No worries.